the thinking now is to do the production of uh, bulbs here in China and to become the, the tulip Silicon Valley of China. The first trip from, uh, from Beijing to Xi'an, I went in the train, you know. I go white in and come black out because of the, the cold. Yeah, what I see is the, the high-speed train is, a, is electric-driven. The cars are more and more electric-driven, much more than in Europe. In my country, for instance, also the public buses, all, all this is electric driven, you know. And China is also uh, closing the coal mines more and more. So that means, yeah, everything together uh, give me the opinion that China will be one of the leaders in the green economy. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to the Chat Lounge. I'm Tuyun. In this episode of our special series, My Expat Life in Rural China, we meet Dutch tulip grower Nicolas Geig, who's helped create China's first tulip flower park. Welcome, Nicol. Okay, thank you. Also joining our chat are my two colleagues, Liu Yushan and Li Yunqi, here in the garden center of the Holland Flower Park in Chuanxing Village. Xingfeng Town, Dafeng, a county-level district of Yancheng in the eastern province of Jiangsu. Thanks for joining the chat. Thank you, Tuyun. It's a great honor. Yunqi and Yushan will also share their experiences and views on China's rural revitalization later on in the show. But first, let me go to Nico. I understand you have some uh, different views of China's rural revitalization, but we'll come to that later on in the show. First of all, I'm a huge fan, actually, of tulips. Really? Maybe, yeah, okay. maybe because of the masterpiece by um, Alexandre Dumas, the, the, the great French author. The book is The Black Tulip. So I'm wondering, what is the biggest challenge in uh, growing tulips? And uh, which variety is the most expensive, the black ones? For the moment, I think uh, ice cream is the most expensive. Ice cream? Ice cream, yeah, that's, the flower is like an ice cream. It's like the opposite to black. Yeah. <laughs> so right. white, yellowish. Yeah, the, so you see the, the red and then it is the, the white on the top. Hmm. So then you have really, and it is coming out usually, so you have really an the idea of an ice cream. So mm. is it because of the combination of colors that makes yeah. it more yeah. difficult? Why is it so popular with the, here in China or around the world? Uh, because tulips is, uh, stands for friendship. Tulip flowers stand right. for friendship. And tulip flower has, uh, tulips have many shapes and colors. And also you can uh, use it for pots. You can use it in park. You can use it as, an, uh, as a cut flower. Mm. So the abilities are huge, in fact. And that makes that uh, the people like it. And also it is a pretty cheap flower because if you mm. compare it with a rose or another flower, mm. tulips are cheap. Now, but not in the 17th century, right? No, that is, that is another story. Right, when you got this uh, tulip mania. <laughs> yeah, tulip mania. Then to yourself, what inspired you to engage in tulip cultivation in the first place? Um, at a young age, uh, I was very engaged in tulips because also already on my young age I understood that tulips could bring me in the world. Mm. And I have not uh, studied at university, but uh, I become an entrepreneur with tulips. And that was my goal, to go in the world. And I, uh, 
was pretty sure that tulips could help me mm. to, to achieve that. Because you're from a tulip growing family. Yeah, my uh, father was, an, uh, was a tulip grower, uh, not from origin, he started by himself. And uh, yeah, during my young age, my, my father teach me a lot about tulips. So uh, in that way, I become very skillful and uh, I'm very uh, grateful to him. And you attended some uh, vocational school? Yeah, I've been to uh, agricultural high school. And uh, yeah, that gave me the base, the technology base in theory. And uh, but the practice I learned, the practical things I learned very much, uh, very a lot from my father. Mm. Yeah. I think in the previous chat, Tuyen, you shared that Nico actually preferred to refer to yourself as a tulip grower instead of tulip um, expert. Is that mm. true? Uh, if you call yourself a tulip expert, I think that is... Um, a big title. That's a big title, and I do not like to say that... Uh, you don't want to appear to be thinking too much of yourself, but we yes. can call you tulip expert, obviously. I mean, yeah, amateurs like us. Right, and actually your experience with, with the, a vocational education is very useful here in China. So we may touch upon that a little bit more later in the show. But um, why did you choose to come to China in the first place? China, I, uh, on that time, that was 25 years ago, uh, my view on the world was already that the world was changing. And I had uh, the feeling and also the little, you know, more or less the understanding that China will become an economical power uh, of the world with a high uh, prosperity level. Mm. And uh, on that time, I met also uh, some Chinese people uh, in uh, studying in uh, Wageningen University, young people. And then, uh, yeah, I got more and more the idea that China will become uh, prosperous. I so. got to say you got some long-term vision there because yeah, vision, nobody vision. would expect China to grow so fast at that time, especially that's in the 1990s, right? Yeah, but I met also uh, one of the students in Wageningen, that was Dong Yuxu. He's now the chairman of the FAO. Which stands for uh, the the Food and Agriculture oh, right. Organization, the of, UN uh, agency, United Nations. Right. He already told me on that time, China will be the economical power of the world in the future. Mm. And thereafter, uh, Pang Chongming, he was a uh, research fellow uh, from a botanical garden in Xi'an. He invited me to come to China, and then uh, with my trip to China, I become more and more convinced. Right. Then I learned you started your own business in China, but the results were not as good as you expected for the first two times. Yeah, that's mm. correct. What made you stay here in China instead of uh, giving up? It is a process, let mm. me say that in that way. I started in Shanxi on that time between Baoji and Chengdu. And then I meet, uh, on that time I met the, the local government. The, the approach was not okay on that time. And then the second time we moved to, uh, to Jiangsu. And what was the reason that we moved to Jiangsu? That was because uh, Jiangsu is a more developed province. And uh, because in the previous province we had the feudal sinking, the countryside sinking. Mm. And we think, okay, uh, Jiangsu is the most developed province of China close to the western sinking, the most close to the western sinking. That you're used to. Yeah, and mm. that uh, makes it work more, more easier. And also the, we make an investigation about the climate. Now the climate uh, was as we have in Holland. And then uh, 
I go to uh, to Binghai in uh, Subei in, in Jiangsu, mm. and really on that time we get full support from the local government, mm. and I'm still uh, very thankful for them because uh, directly we had success. Mm. I'm just wondering in what ways do the climate in Jiangsu is similar to the ones in the Netherlands because the the latitude. Also, right. kind of coastal for both right. yeah. places. Yeah, uh, uh, it is a coastal here. You know, okay, one thing. Yeah, right. one thing. Uh, we have the wind, the the the, the ocean wind. Okay. Uh, of the wind from the ocean, so that means in uh, in uh, springtime, uh, if it becomes hot, the the warm air rises. Rises. Mm. Yeah, and then the underneath you get the the ocean flow, and that is cold, and, and that is very good for tulips. You mentioned Yancheng is the the line, sort of dividing north and south. Or regarding uh, temperature, uh, Yancheng is the. If you go more south, then you not have uh, reproduction enough in, uh, of, of of the seeds. Mm. So then the production level will be too low. So every year you need a surplus in in harvest. So Yancheng is the sweet spot for growing tulips. Uh, that's the borderline to the south. Okay. Yeah. Then. You said you had some uh, good cooperation with the Jiangsu government, right? Yeah. But at that time, where did you get this um, vision that your next uh, business would turn out to be a success? Yeah, that is, a, you know, that is a process. Is it, the, the, the first is it on the local level, mm. on the Jensen level. So they were very interested because I already grow tulips for production. And uh, they see it, and then the Lingdao become very interested at the local level. <laughs> the Lingdao, you know? which means yeah, the leaders. The leader. Sorry, right. yeah, yeah. the leaders become very interested uh, in my business because they understood if we can, we are able to produce the the bulbs, the seeds in China, then uh, we do not have to buy it uh, abroad, of course. Mm -hmm. So that was already their thinking, and then you become to a higher level. And so finally, I uh, I won the Jiangsu Award, and then I come in touch with the Wang Xin, uh, the the leader of the uh, right at, uh, science and technology development of uh, of Jiangsu Province, and then I ask him, uh, can I uh, give you my uh, a plan for tulip development, and PPT tulip development uh, for China, and he read it and he said, Nico, it's a very good plan, and mm -hmm. then we get help help from Jiangsu. Right. So, so it is a process, uh, you know, yes. it is not everything in one time. So part of the plan for the Jiangsu government to grow tulips here is to maybe they don't have to buy tulips or import tulips from the Netherlands. And But I'm just wondering how much economic value do you see the tulip market in China? No, the, 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 the tulip market, in fact, is very huge because the it's, Chinese love tulips very much. Mm -hmm. But if you come to the, to the growth level, who make from bulbs flowers, then you see many differences in quality. Mm. So you have the bad quality, you have the so-so quality, you have the big quality, and also the the scale of the farmers, the flower growers, is not 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 a, not a big scale. Not sophisticated so, enough. Yeah, and so that means you have a lot of varieties, and that is for the supermarket or for the retail, it's not easy to sell, because mm. how to deal with it? So you do not get in development. So you need to have a large amount, different colors, uh, every time available okay. in the same quality. Diversity of the colors. Yeah, the need, need to be, the quality needs to be same. You need to, to provide all the colors and shape. And that in a big quantity uh, every day. So then you have access to the market. 
and then the Chinese will buy tulips, of course, because then they have not a disappointment if they buy tulips. One of them is Tuoying because she says she's a big fan of flowers. Huge fan, right? <laughs> then um, here in Daofeng, what what do you value Daofeng most or Yancheng? Uh, generally speaking, mm. in general. Also related to your work. Uh, yeah, in China you have a very good uh, social life, I have to say. And, very, and the Chinese are very hearty, to, to, anyway, to me. Mm. So, uh, hosp you, hospitable? Hospital, yeah. Hospitality right. is very, very, very huge. They invite you for dinner, they are, are very hearty, uh, easily you make friends. Uh, this morning, uh, right. some workmen uh, offered me 20 uh, eggs. 20 eggs? Yeah. For two weeks, probably. Yeah, yeah it's that's too a much. Lot of, that's a lot of eggs. <laughs> a lot of eggs, but he do it, right? Right. Okay. So that, uh, yeah, that gives you a happy feeling, and it makes also that I feel happy in China. Uh, about my work, yeah, that is the, 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 the tulips, that is the success. And that you get the help of the, of the Chinese community, the Chinese leaders, uh, to make it a success. You talked about you've been to many places uh, in China. Have you been to Xinjiang, you know, the no. origin place of tulips? Yeah, I've been there. Have you ever thought of, uh, you know, um, starting your business uh, there? Because no. that's where tulips originated, Taking them right? To their hometown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have considered that, but then you have the, the same problem I mentioned before. Then you have the, 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 the rural, uh, local. Uh, it's a mindset, let me mm. say it in this way. It is very viewable. You know, there are different reasons here in Jiangsu. You have the big cities like Shanghai, Hangzhou, right, close, uh, right. Wuxi, Suzhou, Yixing, uh, uh, Sangzhou. Uh, here nearby is Lianyungang, not so far away is Xingdao. You could so, definitely yeah. have been market. to a lot of yeah, cities. Potential market. market. Yeah, and yeah. then also uh, Xinjiang is too is too far away, is too isolated. Yeah, you know? the transportation yeah, will be yeah, uh, also more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, more difficult. It's after yeah. careful calculation. We can't blame you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a business decision. Yeah, yeah. business yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe the next time you can try. Yeah, yeah. bringing them to their hometown. But right. I've seen that that tulips uh, grow very well over there mm. yeah. because right. it is right. the original place where yes, the wild the species grow, right? Tianshan right. Mountain area. Yeah. Mm. And you've been here in Yancheng for 10 years, right? Mm. What challenges have you come across over the past 10 years growing tulips? Big ones, small ones? Oh, uh, yeah, you, 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 first you need to find out which varieties grow very well. Mm. So the, according to the climate. Mm. So uh, we started uh, with small field, with uh, three testing fields different spot and we started uh, with 100 uh, varieties about and then you have the selection about the growing mm. about the production so then you have the production figure and then next come the the virus problem which varieties uh, are uh, virus sensitive uh, uh, are affected by the virus due to the warm climate so then uh, you select them then you say okay we invest in this variety because this variety is growing well, mm. so and that that uh, that gives the, the 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 chance, and then you have the, rep the reproduction figure, and then you go to a larger scale. But still, everything by by hand power, right? By manpower, mm. not by machinery. And uh, how have you coped with those challenges? Uh, is it like all turning out to be a good result? No, of course not. Of course mm. not. Uh, because uh, here in Dafung, uh, Dafung is well known because of the wetlands. So uh, yeah, on the on, on the field you see a wet spot, 
or here and there. Okay, you plant tulips and then finally you, you find out on the red spot tulips are not growing well. Mm. They become rotten. And also we, uh, we have a nematode problem uh, on that spot. A nematode is uh, some kind of a small animal that swim mm. in the water and that eat uh, the tulip uh, roots. So then your harvest uh, will be uh, disappointing. So then you try to tackle that problem. So we find out uh, in Holland, I do some research. I, I met a fellow and he said, Nico, we have uh, biomass. And then I use the biomass and that is uh, fight against the nematode. The, the word, excuse me, biomass, what, what biomass. biomass. Oh, bio, yeah, right. Biomass, right. No, I say it in the Dutch way. So. But I feel like part of the problem, like you were trying to find the solution for yourself, like uh, the lack of machinery, equipment. I heard that you are trying to develop your own tools right. and yeah. equipment. Yeah, and uh, in that way I, uh, I uh, met Sui uh, Zong in Binghai on that time because we have a problem with, uh, with, uh, with harvesting. And uh, I had an, uh, a Dutch plow, harvesting plow, but it was not uh, fixing on a Chinese tractor well. So then I uh, asked uh, the help of the local uh, blacksmith, Tolaji, the... Right. Tractors. <laughs> and uh, he said, Nico, uh, I will help you if you say how to do. I mm. will uh, make the configuration and uh, okay. And then we try and we, we, we add and we try and... Finally, it works very well, uh, it, it and, it was, and it was a sheep one. Do mm-hmm. you also have to change the configuration of the tools? Like they have to be also no, have to adapt the, the, to. The, the, if you have uh, on that time, we have a lack of money, mm. so it has to be cheap and it has to work. So <laughs> that is okay. the challenge. That's so that, the only uh, requirement uh, for that, the, for yeah, those tools. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But now we are on the edge that we need the Dutch machinery, and the Dutch machinery is uh, is the same as we as we use in, in China. The, but uh, I think they are different from the ones needed for other like crops. No, other you flowers. can't you can't uh, use a potato machine for. Uh, no, for, for, <laughs> for <laughs> obviously. Like. No. What about other flowers? Maybe like no, uh, no, jasmine. No, tulips, tulips is very sp- uh, specific machinery. Okay, mm. so yeah. that's why you need to develop your own yeah. tools. Yeah, that's always a mistake. Uh, Chinese make because then uh, they buy a potato harvester and, and they think we can harvest the chili bulbs. No, uh, that, that's why we need experts like you here. Yeah. And has the this saline soil um, been a big problem during the whole process? Yeah, in the field th- sometimes you have a uh, salty, uh, salty spot and that, uh, yeah, then the grow on that spot chilies will not grow well. And we try, uh, we, yeah, the, we are now on the edge that we need a Dutch polder and then we can drainage the salt out with the water mm. and then the salty spot will not be a problem. Mm. Yeah. If you have to name one biggest challenge, what would it be? Yeah, the biggest challenge is to, to develop uh, the, 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 tulip, the tulip market in the, towards the tulip industry. The tulip market, is it a big problem? No, if if you if you talk if on this moment we are on 1.4 billion people here. Yeah, on <laughs> this moment we are still on an experimental well, minus uh, one. Right. Ex- experimental. I'm not a potential uh, customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's still a huge yeah. market. At uh, the moment we are still on the experimental uh, level, and we have mm. to to right. go to the to the modern level and the large level. And that is not only production of tulips, that is also research and development, and that is also marketing of tulips. You're listening to the Chat Lounge. When we come back, Nico will tell us what the awards he won in China mean for him, and why he believes 
China will become a leader in sustainable development. From the first day I was here, I just loved China. As Why well. China instead of other countries? That's the essence of China. Why the village instead of the city? When we talk about you know, rural revitalization. As China's rural revitalization continues, we talk to expats to find out their reasons for choosing to live in the country's villages for years or even decades. Everyone knew and everyone cared about See around them, people investing in that. They also share their experiences and views on the development and reconstruction of the countryside over the years. The village became much cleaner. So that was the best thing because all the families got back together. Learn more about what's going on in China's vast rural areas through my expat life in rural China here on Chat Lounge. Welcome back. You're listening to the Chat Lounge, and we're talking to Dutch tulip grower Nicolas Geig for his expat life in rural China. So before the Holland Flower Park was built, villagers here mainly made a living um, from growing cotton and rice with low yields due to right. soil salinization, right? Mm. And in 2012, the local government decided to grow tulips after soil desalination instead of uh, introducing industrial projects and the next year which is uh, 2013 you came to this um park mm. to join the the work what was your evaluation of such a transformation do you think it's yeah to you maybe it's a good thing but to the, the local people is it you know worth it if they develop some industrial projects would it be much more you know profitable for them Mm, no, I do, no, I do not think so because mm. the 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 locals are uh, farmers. Yeah. And uh, mm. yeah, if they uh, the the leaders make and uh, they want to make a tourist attraction here because it is not so far away from Shanghai from the from the big cities, so they uh, create an uh, an uh, a flower park, and that is. Uh, Pretty much linked to their to, to their farmer lives because mm. the the locals they are uh, planting tulips, they are planting other flowers, mm. so they are uh, acquainted with the work. So in that way, it is uh, they like it, and I also see they like it because they are skillful. You know, the local workers are are skillful. Right. You know? and then uh, the other thing is that uh, because of the the park become uh, pretty famous now in china it is the most famous tulip park in china indeed hmm. and uh, in the high season we have more we attract more than uh, three million people tourists so in that way it is also very economical and the other way is that the the thinking now is to 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 do the production of uh, bulbs here in china and to become the how to say that the, the center of china uh, uh, the tulip Silicon Valley of China. Mm. Mm. Tulip Silicon like Valley. Yeah, that is the future objective. So in that way, if you say if you combine everything together, then you think no, I think you have a, a, a very big plus in everything. Mm. Not so in the, only in the economical way, but also in the in the name branding in uh, of Dafoon everything. Mm. So mm. you think Dafoon is on the right track to green and sustainable development? Yeah. I think so. Mm. Green the tulip, the tulip valley. Right. Yeah, I'm taking the silicon yeah. out. Yeah. 
Yes, like you just mentioned, you've won a bunch of titles and awards over the past decade, including the Jiangsu Friendship、uh, Award. So, what do such awards mean to you? Have they, to any extent, added to the burden on your shoulder? No, it's not a burden. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you enjoyed、worry. it very much, obviously. <laughs> Don't mind it. No,、right. no, no. no uh, it is an honor, and I feel be、uh, feel be honored. You、mm. know. And、uh, yeah, that is、uh, how to say that、uh, appreciation of your hard working, in fact. So、uh, yeah, in this way,、uh, yeah, I feel very honored.、Really. But w- would it prevent you、uh, if you want to do something else, say?、Um, right, a different、yeah. business. Right、yeah. now, it seems like or, your or figure has somehow like combined with this place. Because before we meet you, we see your photos out there already. Like right, you're like the ambassador of this whole place.、Right. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Like, oh yeah, you you. In the beginning, it was a little bit、um, how to say that、uh, uncom- uncomfortable because I'm not used to it. Because then、uh, I, I remember the first time is the the Jungle Friendship Award. I was so nervous, you know. Right. I even Conrad、uh, was not able to speak anymore on <laughs> on television. Right. And then,、uh, yeah, if you have done it a few times, then you become、uh, more acquainted with、Pro. it. Pro, right? Used to it. Used to it. Just the old words, trophies. I'm used to it. You、yeah. are not so nervous anymore. <laughs> I mark you on on that. <laughs> yeah. But do you like is an award that you prefer the most? Like, what's the trophy that you put the hi- the highest in your home?、Uh, the highest for the, me. The most visible one. Yeah, <laughs> show every guest. I have this. Yeah, h- how yeah. many have you collected? Oh,、yeah. I don't know a lot. I know, Countless. I do not know. I never count. You have a special room for that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for keeping all the trophies. Yeah, that yeah. is the the last one. The, 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 okay, the, most the, recent one. Yeah, the the, the most recent one. <laughs> I think in a way tulips kind of bear that meaning as well. Love, friendship, and friendship, and unity in in,、yeah. in some sort. Yeah. No, rose stands for love, and、uh, and tulip stands、uh, for、uh, friendship. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of learned that that yesterday that you know for say Mother's Day, Father's Day, that's a representation for love. If you give them like tulips, yeah,、oh, that's okay. okay. And that's, there's that's there's、okay. a certain number、right. of、uh, tulips that you have to give once it's gift as a gift. I'm、okay. not sure if that's, you know, just Chinese thinking or if、yeah. it has a tradition in Netherlands too. No, in all in Holland we use the. More the the tulips if we we go for shopping and then we buy a bouquet of tulips and then、uh, for decoration in our home and then、uh, if we do it、uh, for a gift and then we buy it not in the retail market but then we buy it in the flower shop and then we have an、uh, a bouquet. Yeah. Okay, from the florist. From、mm-hmm. the florist. It's more more a proper bouquet. Yeah, ma-、uh, much better quality. And then we, you give it to a friend, or if you go to for a coffee drink or something like that, then you get okay. Well, let's <laughs> move on to this、uh, China's rural revitalization, and here in particular, rural ecological modernization, which is, I think, another、uh, expertise that you can share with us. We can use、mm. here or learn from. Here in China, you were quoted in some reports saying you believe China will become a Leader in sustainable development in the future.、Hmm. So, what's the reason behind your prediction?、Uh, because I have、uh, read a book from、uh, Xi Jinping, and in that book he mentioned that、uh, the new economy is、uh, green, green economy. Yeah, that's right. 
And uh, yeah, with my experience in China also, I see the windmills, I see the the boost in the electric driven cars, you know. Right. Uh, also in uh, Dafung, I see in Jensen, I see that the buses, the public buses are mm. also electric driven. And uh, yeah, then you see, okay. Uh, and also in the in the media, what I read about China, everything is focused on the, on the green energy, on the sustainable development. So that means, yeah, everything together uh, give me the opinion that China will be one of the leaders in green uh, green economy. Yeah, what I see is the the high speed train is is electric driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I say, the cars are more and more electric driven, much more than in Europe, in my country, for instance. Right. right. Uh, also, the, the the public buses all all is is electric driven, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you. Uh, and China is also uh, closing the, the coal, uh, the coal mines more and more, mm. and the windmills. You know, I see in the solar energy. Mm. Yeah. And th- there must be a huge difference because when you first time you came here 25 years ago, there was probably mostly cars, like yeah, the first the imported no, cars. bicycles. It's not also even cars. environmentally yeah, friendly. Yeah, the first yeah. trip from uh, from Beijing to Xi'an, I went in the train. You know. I go white in and come black out because of the the cold. Ah, uh. really? Because everything was black in the in the train inside in the, in the cabin. In your, your finger, you did this, and you look your finger. Oh, it's black. Right. Really? Because of the, the 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 train on that time was still uh, burning coal. Co- burning yeah. coal. Right. Yeah. Right. In the kitchen was burning coal. The the restaurant, <laughs> the fire okay. for for cooking. But why didn't it scare you away? On <laughs> <laughs> the dust, on yeah. the black dust yeah. and the colds. Uh, but uh, so do you, you can imagine how huge the change yeah. world is in China. And because you true. saw that in 25 years later, there will be like electric One year later already. The electric was, cars. No, oh, one, year later, one year later. One year later, it was uh, ele- electrified. But you also you see in, in the remote areas, wasteland, they have a lot of solar energy panels. Right. Yeah, solar energy park. Yes. Yeah. Talking about solar energy, Yunqi, uh, for the past few days, you were reporting on this, right? Um, here in Yancheng, in Dafeng, there are also solar-powered uh, projects. Right. Uh, because Yancheng, I think the first one of the first things when I before or for me to come to visit traveling to Yancheng mm. is the first thing I notice is that the the wind turbines. Mm. And uh, but it's probably something. Is it something that you would quite see very often? Because I think most of these wind turbines they are on the coastal areas. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but uh, yeah, the, the, on the coastal line, then you have the high, the the, the most efficiency of the wind mm-hmm. because you have right. high speed wind over there. So uh, of course they plant the the wind turbines, windmill turbines, alongside the coastline. Right, because like in the coastal areas, I think that's when you experience a yeah. lot of ocean winds yeah. coming from the sea. But if you come inside, more inside China, then you have the solar panels. Mm. Yes. That's about the energy, a very important aspect of uh, reaching sustainable development if you want to turn green in the whole economy. But what, what about in agriculture? Have you observed any particular changes? Yes, in Holland, uh, we we grow, uh, we get more and more integrated crop management. So that's part of the sustainable energy is also part of it. So in Holland, you have already uh, yeah farms. They have uh, solar panels and they have uh, wind turbines. 
and they electrolyze it uh, into uh, hydrogen. What about here in Dafung? In Dafung, no. I've never seen that. Well, earlier in the year, I think it's in June, the policymakers here in China released new guidelines to further support and speed up rural revitalization while maintaining environmental protection. So you just mentioned the, the, the experience in your home country. We know Holland is a is leading in, in agriculture and uh, in horticulture and enjoys international reputation of being environmentally friendly. So what do you think China can learn from Holland? Uh, in fact, Maybe. China can uh, learn a lot from Holland. But um, Give us some uh, specific to, examples. Yeah, but, that, yeah the, the, that is about the, 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 the water management, for instance. Uh, that is about the horticulture and, and uh, agriculture. But the problem is to implement in China how to do. You have another uh, culture as we have because the agriculture and horticultural companies in Holland, they are private driven. Hmm. So that means that uh, uh, family driven, private family driven, mm. in fact, very small companies. Right. If you compare it to uh, industrial companies. And that means that uh, the efficiency in that kind of companies, because it is private companies, is private money, is very, very high. And that means also that the manager is working with his employees together. So then he has an eye on it, how the work is done. And if the work is not well done, he makes an improvement. He speed it up or uh, whatever, or you make it better. In China, that is lacking. So then you see, if you implement the Dutch horticulture or agriculture in China, let's mm. say we do a greenhouse, we build the same greenhouse in, in China, and then you do an, a Dutch manor, manager on it, and he manages the greenhouse, and then it, let's say he, has, he harvests 80 kilos tomatoes from, from a square meter. And then even you give it to a Chinese manager, and then you have the degree, the, the harvest is turning down a lot, maybe mm. half. Then you have 40 kilo. And why it happens? No, that is the management problem. That is not the greenhouse problem. That are not the facilities problem. No, that is a manager problem. And how to tackle the management problem in China? That is very hard to do. I also face this problem in, uh, yeah, in my experience here in China. Mm. And that's why I only want to work with uh, young people, because young people are more uh, open-minded open, open and more open to listen. And then, uh, yeah. Maybe it's because of this uh, education, you know, for the older generations, they haven't received them so, mu uh, so much education in, in no, every that aspect? No, that has not uh, to deal only with the, with the older generation. It, now, also you, have this, you face the problem with uh, the more educated people. You know, uh, because in Holland, if you are, come from university and you come in a company, then you have to work on, on, on bottom, and then you can uh, make a career in the, in the company. And in China, it is not. And the Chinese have the, the attitude, I come from university, and I directly get a good job, a well-paid job. No, so it doesn't work in Holland. Because here in China, traditionally, when you work in agriculture, people would think you, you, you can only gain a... a relatively low social position right. so people wouldn't want to right. engage in agriculture or anything yeah. related to yeah. uh, farming yeah. that like is that, that is uh, one of the reason mm. that is really one of the reason uh, the other thing uh, what i do is i i i, I say to the, the potential uh, uh, young guys or ladies you can also get a, a good salary mm. if you if you do your job well of course you get a good salary mm. of course 
So there's got to be an economic stimulus. Yeah, and because incentive. nobody uh, wants to work for a low salary, uh, no. hard working for a low salary. Because if you are, if I'm satisfied, you do your job very well, yes. the company make profit. No, okay, you need to earn money. So the salary mm. is one uh, one of the things to make the job interesting for young people. On the other hand, the employer. Uh, has to uh, has has some ex uh, expectation mm. from right. his workers, from his uh, employees. It's Think. about cultural difference. Yeah, it's cultural difference. But mm. in Holland, we are also very uh, hard in that because if an employee is not working well, we say, okay, bye bye, we fire him. Right. But in China, no, you you protect him, you let it be. That is not working. Yeah, that's very social. But you create lazy people, right? Because they feel they are in a comfort zone. We are uh, we are not. We are protected. Yeah, mm. that's that's not okay. In some mm. in some systems. Yeah. But not, <laughs> yeah not in the rural in the rural area in the rural on the countryside, lots of that. Is right. it a general situation? Yeah, for me it's in general. I met it everywhere in China. Not in the in the big cities like Shenzhen, Shanghai. Where right. efficiency is most emphasized. Yeah, more yeah. valued in those big cities. But yeah. you, you said you prefer working with like younger people. Like yeah, work. because younger people have potential. Yeah, mm. like a I say to them, you you have future. Mm. If you do, if you work hard, you do your work well, well. And of course, you can make a mistake. Everyone makes a mistake, but not a repeat of mistakes. Mm. That is not acceptable. No. And then uh, I see it. At, uh, they do their best, right? I'm, I feel happy with them. Yeah. If I feel happy with them. What what would be your suggestion for solving such problems? Yeah, like I said, uh, you need to be uh, very strictly mm. as a, as, a, as a manager, as the, as the boss. You make to make uh, clear what you expect, and on, mm. on the other hand, you have to give them a good salary, this opportunity to to earn more and to make career, of course. So, yeah. opening more um, vocational schools is not the solution. No, it's not the solution. That is not the solution. Mm. You know, but can it help? Yeah, it can help. But, yeah, but and you see also that uh, I must be honest in that. Uh, you see also that young people with ability, where do they go? They do not stay in the rural areas. They go to to the big cities. The chat lounge. The chat lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Yunqi, you've covered something about um, right. breeding crabs here. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I visited a, a crab uh, farm the, yesterday. That's also a project that uh, they think would uh, revitalize, um, you know, rural areas such as Daofeng. Yeah, I think traditionally this mm. area is quite rural, agricultural. So the local government they also have a clear goal. They want to maintain. This level of agriculture in in the proportion of agriculture in the economic sectors, at the same time they need also need to boost their economy while not taking too much like a heavy industries that might cause pollution. Mm. So that's why there's a balance between agriculture, like maintaining agriculture and introducing like these newer modern industries like solar panels, like wind turbine manufacturers mm. and developers. And but yeah, I was in the crab farm or crab fish farm. Before you、mm. go further, have you tried tried the dolphin's crabs before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I eat them.、Yeah. How did did it different taste? Different. Yeah. From the Dutch ones, right? Yeah, different. <laughs> yeah, but, but I I、uh, I find it hard to eat. It's quite small. Quite delicate. Yeah, you right, need yeah, special yeah. tools need、yeah. to plug out、yeah. the meat. 
Yeah, mm. special skills almost. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, That's right. true. Into your finding there. Yes. So there's, I mean, even in terms of like fish farming or crab farming, they still have a focus on maintaining the ecological conservation because mm -hmm. they're trying. Um, because these fish farming crabs doesn't matter what kind of breeds you have, they their the feces they will cause a certain level of like a biological pollution. Mm. Right. I mean, different pollution to the factories, but yeah. still uh, pollution to the environment. Yeah. So there's this um, target to kind of upgrade the fish farming model into a more sustainable model. Mm. And they're trying to introduce a new model in which that you will have like three different uh, fish or uh, agricultural products so on the bottom you have the shellfish mm. and in the middle in the middle level of the pond you will have uh, I think fish and on the top level you have the crabs and the okay. shrimp living there and so mm. because the shellfish is the shellfish they are capable of like the uh, cleansing yeah. mm. the water so yeah. it probably take a longer period of time for mm. the farmers to replace mm. a new pond of like fresh water mm. so in this way it's more helpful so you can use this pond of water for a longer time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But if, if the shellfish are for cleaning the water, are, are they edible? Uh, I believe so. I think that's just how shellfish are. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think maybe for a long time, the shellfish that you have eaten, they have also <laughs> helped cleansing the pond that they, right. wow. the, the environment. Uh, very and graphical. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have such a, like a, a arrangement or solutions for Water conservation or seafood uh, yes, uh, cultivation yeah. breeding there in in Holland. Yeah, fish farming there. Um, I'm not so acquainted with it, but uh, I think so anyway. But I'm just saying, I think that's kind of similar to your tulips because I believe like they also, I mean, growing tulips also help to changing the local the soil, soil? condition environment here as well. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, you get a new, you get a technology from Holland, and then we talk about soil management. Right. So that the the, the, soil, the Dutch soil management improved the the quality of the soil. Yeah, I think way. I think that's what what Nico was talking about earlier. That right. the Chinese government mm. they have a clear goal, trying to mix different industries together, like while keeping the environment clean. Mm. Yeah. That's called the biological solution, right? Right. Yeah. right. Well, on the one hand, it's about ecological development and then on the other is about right. like environmental restoration or right yeah right talking about uh europe's experience yushan you studied in the uk only for, for a year. year you know one thing that i noticed when i was there was that they were actually developing a lot of the uh the historic villages mm. as part of not only tourist spot like uh, how china are trying to to you know deal with many of our villages these days but mm. also like they're turning them into eco villages i'm not right. sure if you guys are familiar with the term but um there's actually like a union uh, like an international union on eco villages and these kind of little projects they started off i think um about decades ago in the 1980s such projects already existed one in scotland for mm. example and back then they were the idea was like like we talked about we tried to develop the local 
say environment while we just maintain the interference the human interference of the environment to the least to the very very minimum mm. and so i heard that there those people they build houses like wooden houses with whiskey barrels mm. and they put say straw right. they bind that together as you know walls to keep mm. the um, yeah. little uh, little hubs warm during mm. winter and mm. also like the people living there they also like they developed like say recycle systems for mm. water for everything and of course there are solar panels and you can just imagine like back then like in 1989 mm. they have they already have their 75 kilowatts wind turbine mm. generator built in North Scotland as mm. well. So like all these factors combined together, they're keeping the carbon footprints to the very minimum. Mm. And that's like reducing, say, I, I remember the data was saying like reducing 80 tons of carbon emission per year. Mm. And that's like years ago, decades ago. Mm. So I think still that's like a lot of previous experience from the from the European countries that you know China can obviously maybe yeah I visited some uh, British uh, villages like mm. the ones similar to what you've just described it, it was really um walking inside the villages is really comfortable mm. yeah just like the the vibes here in um, Davon here in this uh, Holland flower park, flower park. Mm. right so thanks to Nico we finally got some um, European-style village here. Mm. And uh, then to your future plan, let's move on to your future plans. Um, I learned you're planning to start a new breeding program based on the local climate. Um, how's the plan uh, coming along? Uh, when can we see the new varieties? Uh, yeah, the, the breeding program has to be uh, exe executed. You know, uh, we are not in uh, working together with an uh, R&D institute at this moment. Mm, uh, which one? It, here in uh, Maybe it will uh, be uh, Jensen or Nanjing. Ah, okay. the help with maybe a, a combination of uh, Jensen R&D Institute with help of Nanjing University. Right. Uh, so we have to set a breeding uh, program. Yeah, it is not executed yet, but that will be uh, soon. And then Next it takes. Year? Hmm? Next year? Yeah, next year or, or maybe after next year. Right. And, uh, because first you, ha you need to have a database about the varieties, uh, which one uh, grows well here in uh, Dafung. Now I have mm. at this moment, so they can start with my uh, experience. And uh, yeah, then it takes 25 years to have uh, a tulip uh, ready for the market. 25 years? 25 years. That means yeah. you may not be able to see it. Um, I do not know. You try, <laughs> <laughs> try your best. Yeah. Still hopeful. Right. Yeah. By the way, how old is Nico this year? <laughs> no, you can't ask that question. Okay. Right. Just making random assumptions. Younger than his age. Looks younger than his age, I mean. That I'm sure. Right. <laughs> so apart from Yancheng, are you considering promoting tulip planting in other places in China? Yeah, we already have some uh, some contacts okay. in, that, in, uh, in the Hebei province. And uh, yeah, that will uh, work out, I think, next mm. year, if we have the, the right machinery, the modern machinery. Right. And then, uh, yeah, we start to collaborate with them and we give uh, technical support and everything uh, what is needed. Hebei province, because I remember, so Yanchen is like uh, the place for growing chilies as south as you can go. 
Yeah. So anywhere above、um, Yanchen or Jiangsu province will work out. So Hebei,、right. like, can you grow tulips in Heilongjiang province? Shandong, you can. You can. You, you you can. can. Oh, it it, it it even work out in Heilongjiang province. Yeah. Yeah. Last year we have a、uh, testing field in uh, in uh, Jilin.、Mm. Oh. Jilin province, but that is almost Heilongjiang.、Mm. Uh, yeah, right next to it. But、right. wouldn't it be too? Cold for tulips、mm. to grow. No, no the the temperature for tulip is ten to twenty degrees Celsius. No, the problem is there is the winter time. The winter time.、Uh. So you you have to plant them、uh, as deep as possible, and then you have to、uh, to cover them to cover the soil with straw, a layer of straw.、Okay. Uh, so the layer of straw is insulate the the soil, you know, from from frost.、Mm. Okay. So it become more difficult to penetrate. The frost deep inside the soil. Okay. And also the tulips have many,、uh, how to say that,、uh, scale,、uh, scales. And between the scales you have air, and that is also insulating. So if the the, the outer ring of scales is frozen, then you still have the inside ring. And doesn't mean it、uh, doesn't mean they are not sensible for frost, but they、uh, they are sensible, but they can survive. Let、right. me say it in this way. Well, we've come to the last question. Yanchen has a history of cooperating with、um, Dutch experts like water conservancy expert Henry Delik. Henrik Delik, yeah. Right.、Mm. I, I can't pronounce that、mm. name. It's、no. a little bit difficult. Sorry about that. But in, in what areas do you expect the Netherlands and China to strengthen cooperation and contribute to com- combating climate change? I think we we got a lot that we can do there, right?、Um, let me say、uh, first that climate change is of all times. Yes, you know, that's true. If you if you see the 20th century till、uh, 1940, which means you don't believe in that theory.、Um, not as it is presented、uh, today, because I think it is、uh, very framed news. And if you the the most、uh, important institute. About the climate change is uh, Institute uh, IPCC, Planning Climate Change. You know,、mm. Institute、uh, Planning Climate Change. And if you see their theory about the carbon dioxide, I think it's not true, honestly speaking. And that I do, I say this、uh, not as a scientist because I am not a scientist. I'm、mm. a, I'm a grower, but with my experience, I think no, it is not true. I will explain you why it is not true. Because if you put in a greenhouse, you do、uh, I don't know、uh, CO2,、uh, carbon dioxide, and you do the you make the rate let's say six percent or seven percent. What happens in the greenhouse? Nothing happens. Temperature is the same. So then, why we have、uh, the the climate change, for instance? Now that is、uh, the first reason, in my opinion, is the urbanization, and the second reason is the cutting down of forest. And if you you zoom in, if you have a tree, a tree is ev- evaporating a lot of water. Yes. It takes a lot of energy. So that means if the tree is evaporating water, then the the temperature is decreasing down. But the、uh, fact is that the temperature is increasing, right? Yeah, but that is of all times. Faster. This is of of all times, and、mm-hmm. uh, from uh, 1910 to 1940, it was a warm period. From 1940 to 1970, it was a cold period, and now from since 1970, the world becomes more warmer.、Hmm. And on the on the time,、uh, the year around uh, 1000, uh, the Vikings 
go to Greenland. The Greenland was green. Even they have uh, they grown uh, vegetables over there. So then, all everything together, I think the climate change is because of the carbon dioxide. No, this is not true. So because probably your opinion is that like yeah, climate the, will get warmer regardless of human actions. No, uh, the human being in uh, in on the world. We are, the, I think, the the biggest species. Mm. Right. Know? So we have, there are too many people in the world, and that's why we have urbanization, mm-hmm. and that's why we are uh, cutting down the forest. You know, uh, yeah, that is too much, and cutting down the forest. I think that's that's very bad. It's mm, a very bad thing. Do you think we can do anything to slow down this process? Planting trees. Watch your lips. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> right. Thanks for the tips, and okay. uh, hope you enjoy your continuous stay here in China. Okay. Thank and you. And every every success to your future endeavors. Okay. <laughs> thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very okay. Much. And with that, we wrap up our chat. Many thanks to Nicholas Geig from Holland and my colleagues Yushan and Yunqi. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, or send us an email to. Radio at cgtn.com. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for being with us. We'll have more chat next week. Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away, stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, Mulan said, "Marry me." Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back, and the dog swam across the broad river in the company of friends and enemies and unimagined beasts. Yeah, <laughs> good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell, heroes and heroines all. It's incredible. How did you do that? Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished, and the quick of mind. Five thousand years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese folk tales season three wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there.